loves a good story. If that's you, then you're in for a treat today because it's story time. I hope you enjoy the story I'm going to share with you today, but I want to premise it with this. Did you know that the majority of people are unhappy in their work and some reports say up to 99% of people actually choose the wrong careers? That varies between 78 to 99. So two out of three people are not in the careers that best suit them. And in today's story time episode, I'd like you to reflect on where you're at and perhaps take time to ponder on your childhood dreams and what it is you would choose to do if you could choose over again. I truly hope you're inspired by the story. Are you a health professional facing a crossroads in your career but feeling unsure of which direction to go in or what next steps to take? Are you tired of working hard and not seeing results in terms of career growth? Do you long to build purpose into your work but feel stuck as you don't have a clear focus or unsure how to package your value or are uncertain what professional development opportunities you may need to carve out a new career path? Hi, I'm Dr. Diane, boy mom, immigrant, visionary and career pivot strategist and I'm here to help you find career clarity, identify and leverage your value and clarify the steps you need to take so that you can confidently transition into the next phase of your career, scale your professional impact and find greater fulfillment. If this is music to your ears, pull up a chair and let's chat. Jillian was only eight years old, but her future was already at risk. Her schoolwork was a disaster, at least as far as her teachers were concerned. She turned in assignments late, her handwriting was terrible, and she tested poorly. Not only that, she was a disruption to the entire class. One minute, fidgeting noisily, the next, staring out the window forcing the teacher to stop the class to pull Jillian's attention back and the next doing something to disturb the other children around her. Jillian wasn't particularly concerned about any of this. She was used to being corrected by authority figures and really didn't see herself as a difficult child. But the school was very concerned. This came to a head when the school wrote to her parents. The school thought that Jillian had a learning disorder of some sort and that it might be appropriate for her to be in a school for children with special needs. All of this took place in the 1930s. And I think now they'd say she'd had attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and they'd put on something like Ritalin. But the ADHD epidemic hadn't even been invented at the time. It wasn't an available condition. People didn't know they could have that and had to get by without it. Jillian's parents received the letter from the school with great concern and sprang into action. Jillian's mother put her daughter in her best dress and shoes, tied her hair in ponytails and took her to a psychologist for assessment, fearing the worst. Jillian told me that she remembers being invited into a large oak panelled room with leather-bound books on the shelves. 
Standing in the room next to a large desk was an imposing man in a tweed jacket. He took Gillian to the far end of the room and sat her down on a huge leather sofa. Gillian's feet didn't quite touch the floor, and the setting made her very weary. Nervous about the impression she would make, she sat on her hands so that she wouldn't fidget. The psychologist went back to his desk, and for the next 20 minutes, he asked Gillian's mother about the difficulties Gillian was having at school and the problems the school said she was causing. While he didn't direct any of his questions at Gillian, he watched her carefully the entire time. This made Gillian extremely uneasy and confused, even at this tender age. She knew that this man would have a significant role in her life. She knew what it meant to attend a special school, and she didn't want anything to do with that. She genuinely didn't feel that she had any real problems, but everyone else seemed to believe she did. Given the way her mother answered the questions, it was possible that even she felt this way. Maybe, Gillian thought, they were right. Eventually, Gillian's mother and the psychologist stopped talking. The man rose from the desk, walked to the sofa and sat next to the little girl. Gillian, you've been very patient, and I thank you for that, he said. But I'm afraid you'll have to be patient for a little longer. I need to speak to your mother privately now. We're going to go out of the room for a few minutes. Don't worry, we won't be very long. Gillian nodded apprehensively, and the two adults left her sitting there on her own. But as he was leaving the room the psychologist leaned across the desk and turned on the radio. As soon as they were in the corridor outside the room, the doctor said to Gillian's mother, just stand here for a moment and watch what she does. There was a window into the room and they stood to one side of it, where Gillian couldn't see them. Nearly immediately, Gillian was on her feet, moving around the room to the music. The two adults stood watching quietly for a few minutes, transfixed by the girl's grace. Anyone would have noticed there was something natural, even primal, about Gillian's movements. Just as they would have surely caught the expression of utter pleasure on her face. At last, the psychologist turned to Gillian's mother and said, You know, Mrs. Lynn, Gillian isn't sick. She's a dancer. Take her to dance school. I asked Gillian what happened then, and she said her mother did exactly what the psychologist suggested. I can't tell you how wonderful it was, she told me. I walked into this room, and it was full of people like me. People who couldn't sit still. People who had to move to think. She started going to dance school every week, and she practiced at home every day. Eventually, she auditioned for the Royal Ballet School in London and they accepted her. She went on to join the Royal Ballet Company itself, becoming a soloist and performing all over the world. When that part of her career ended, she formed her own musical theatre company and produced a series of highly successful shows in London and New York. Eventually, She met Andrew Lloyd Webber and created with him 
some of the most successful musical theatre productions in history, including Cats and the Phantom of the Opera. Little Gillian, the girl with the high-risk future, became known to the world as Gillian Lynn, one of the most accomplished choreographers of our time, someone who has brought pleasure to millions and earned millions of dollars. This happened because someone looked deep into her eyes. Someone had seen children like her before and knew how to read the signs. Someone else might have put her on medication and told her to calm down. But Gillian wasn't a problem child. She didn't need to go away to a special school. She just needed to be who she really was. So that story is the opening chapter of a book called The Element by Ken Robinson. And I chose to read the story today to drive home the message that the place we will find our greatest success in life is doing what comes naturally to us. Now you may ask, I'm already a qualified healthcare professional. I can't turn back the clock like Jillian and follow my dreams. But my response to that would be, yes, you may not be able to turn back the clock and pursue your dreams along another path, perhaps like Jillian. But there is a way you could possibly utilize what comes naturally to you and bring that into your workplace and your professional life in a way that energizes you, sustains you, feeds that part of your natural skill, talent, interest and ability as well as brings value to the world. Now if that sounds complex, perhaps you need an objective person to look into your eyes and see what perhaps you can't see or even others may not be able to see. And that's why I'm extending an invitation to you for one-on-one coaching to identify the thing that sparks the most joy for you. In the show notes, I will put a link to my career clarity coaching call. And if you're feeling like you want to be that little girl in the chair and be given the wings to fly and do what you love on a daily basis, why not book a call with me so that we can work together to discover what it is and how we can integrate that into your work right where you're at at this point in your life. And that's a wrap for today. If you found value in today's episode, do share it with the friend who you think may need to hear this. And if this episode inspired you, would you be so kind as to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for the show? I'd love to hear how our content is helping you on your professional development journey and your review will also help others discover and benefit from this podcast. Looking forward to hearing more? Then meet me back here again next time for another episode of Life Beyond Clinical Practice. Goodbye.